Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now. My name is Brandon Biscobing. I've got a huge show for you guys. Lots of things to talk about this morning. Three hours worth of some great sports talk content for you this morning. And as always, if you want to get involved, if you want to get in on all the action, we've got Super Bowl. We've got some MLB news. We've got NBA news. We've got college news. We've got National Signing Day. We've got all of that good stuff to talk about some high school basketball, ton of things to talk about in the world of sports this morning. And as always, if you want to get involved, if you want to come in, talk to me about some sports, get your thoughts on anything, talk talk to me about the Super Bowl, National Signing Day, anything you got in mind, be sure to call on in 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. Start with a few smaller notes around the world of sports this morning before we go into the big stories today. And I've got Brandon Dunn coming on from uh, WD coming on at nine, so we'll talk to him about a bunch of things, both locally and nationally later on. Uh, but like I said, we'll start off with a few smaller notes uh, real quick before we jump into the big story of the morning, which of course. Two two big stories, but the biggest one, obviously, overall, is the big game upon us. Super Bowl Sunday is coming up in just a couple of days, so we'll get you ready for the Super Bowl, get you ready for the big game, and run through all the different uh, storylines, all the different, uh, and just everything. Go through it in depth for you this morning. But like I mentioned, go through a couple of uh a couple of stories from around the world of sports first before we jump into that in a little bit. First, some MLB no- news. Still no official decision. There have been different proposals, and and each side is saying different things. But still nothing official on when the MLB is going to start. There was a proposal from, I believe it was from the league, that 
Uh, they were only going to play, like, I think 154 games and push the season slightly back. Uh, but that was denied. So still no official decision. The league is saying that they're expecting players to report in a couple of weeks with pitchers and catchers supposed are supposed to report uh, in just a few weeks at towards the end of February. Uh, so the, the league right now is saying they do plan on starting on time. So unless something drastic happens, I think that probably is what is going to happen, but it's still technically up in the air. And this is kind of what we saw last year uh, after everything was shut down was the league was saying, oh, we're going to play and the players were like, Haha, hold on, hold on, not so fast. We never agreed to that. And that's what led to what we ended up getting the 60-game season and, and all of that. And and the the debacle that we had throughout the beginning of the summer last year of the, the negotiations and everything. And I don't think it's going to get quite as bad as that. I don't think it's going to get to that level. I think they're going to come up with some sort of agreement probably next week at some point. But it is the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking and it's time for them to figure something out. And what's worse for the league overall and baseball, yeah, you could say hockey has to an extent, uh, but not nearly to the level of baseball. In baseball, unlike in basketball and football, you know, talent is talent. And even if you have to be thrown right into the fire and, and you learn on the job, you're going to get it. You're, or at least most are. And, and it's a very, you know, basketball and football are very cutthroat, you know, Either either you make it or you don't. We don't really care either way type of sports. Baseball, on the other hand, especially when it comes to pitching, is a sport that a player needs to be nurtured and, and needs to progress in order to be to be successful. And what's worse about everything going on, and and Donnie, and this isn't even getting into the fiasco of the MLB using this as a scapegoat, essentially, or as a uh, as an excuse to destroy, not destroy, but heavily regulate and and down the miners. There has been no discussion whatsoever, at least that I've seen, about what's going to happen with the miners, how they're going to work this season, when they're going to start, all of that. And it's going to be a lot harder. You know, MLB has their TV deals and and all of that. Yes, they're going to take a hit financially, assuming, which I think we can all assume, 
that there is not going to be at least full capacity crowds to start off the season. You know, they they may allow, you know, depending upon where you are, obviously it all boils down to what state you are in and what the laws are there. But assuming you can, I'm a, you know, a lot of people have to figure that there is going to be some fans like what we saw in the NFL uh, at baseball games this season. But the thing about that with the MLB is that, okay, you're going to take a little bit of a hit financially because you're not having full capacity fans. That's to be expected. But with the TV deals and all of that, you're not taking as much of a hit as the minors are going to if they can't have fans or if they're heavily restricted on fans because the financial success of a minor league franchise is almost entirely dependent upon the in in-house gate is is completely dependent upon fans being there and yeah, you've got MLIB.TV. You've got the minor league uh, baseball TV, you know, network, if you would want to call it that. But that's subsidized by the major leagues. And unless the unless MLB is a, is willing to take that, it is willing to subsidize the minors, at least for this season, I'm not sure how well it's going to work. And that's I'm sure that's a lot of the discussion, but that's the thing. The major leagues are focused first and foremost on getting the majors going. And then once, once that's taken care of, then they'll figure out what to do with the minor leagues. But it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting road. It's going to be an interesting road over these next couple of weeks, over this next month or so, to see what happens with MLB and and how they're able to figure it out. And and the bad thing about it for MLB, and, and we're talking about this last season when everything shut down, was that baseball was in a prime position. If they would have been able to get things going quicker, they would have been in a prime position where they would have been the only game in town. And it might have it might have increased the uh the interest in baseball uh at least a little bit. I don't think it would have done a I don't think it would have been a miracle drug. But it would have helped at least a little bit if they would have been able to get things underway a little quicker. And it seems like right now with with them still not having a plan, but unfortunately, it, you know, not many people other than baseball fans and other than, you know, baseball analysts and, and people who focus entirely on baseball, you know, we're a few weeks away from pitchers and catchers. I mean, I'm a baseball fan and I 
follow baseball a lot. So I know that timeline and I know it's coming up, but if now this year has been so weird that, you know, the seasons and, and the whole calendar has been thrown on its head, but the, but the concept of we're getting close, a lot of people aren't thinking about And what makes it even worse, I think, for baseball right now for this year is that, you know, baseball is one of the few sports, actually the only sport of the big four, is the only sport of the big four that has a monopoly on the sports calendar at least for a little bit, because the for the entirety of July, most of the time, for for the tail end of June and the entirety of July, unless you're unless you're following you know uh, early OTAs of the NFL, baseball is all you have. At least when it comes to the the big four team sports. But this year, with the NBA season being pushed back and then going further into the summer, NHL being pushed back going further into the summer, and even in the but before they would have a complete monopoly in the spring when yeah you've got basketball you've got hockey still going on, but for me and maybe this is because I'm more of a baseball fan. The spring is is baseball season. April, May, June, those months are more so baseball season. Yes, you're focusing on the NBA and the NHL and their playoffs and get in the roads of the playoffs and the playoffs as well. But it's it's baseball season. This year, there's another factor, and and this is it's going to be a very interesting on a number of different fronts to see how this works. But baseball has another competitor this year, and I I doubt it's going to stick around. Although personally, depending upon how it works, and and depending upon you know the ratings and all of that, it may be something that they may want to consider. But one big big factor, one big question mark this season is going to be. How does the fact that FCS football is happening in the spring? FCS isn't, you know, top of the line, but it's still Division One. And yes, we've seen with spring leagues in the past, uh, even on a professional level, that they, they, for whatever reason, I guess the whether it's the quality of talent or uh, in spite of whatever. One says, and in spite of uh, the perception of football, there is a burnout. Uh, or if it's just the fact that there are people like myself who want their sports in seasons. Whatever the case may be, it seems like spring football doesn't work as well. But 
the XFL prior to being forced to be shut down due to COVID last season, they were doing pretty well. They were getting some pretty good numbers. So that's going to be a big question mark this season is does FCS football take a good chunk of the market because of the want for football? And and I think another thing with that is that you're it, it's not like in and and this is a this is a reason why baseball may want to get its act together and make sure that they have everything squared away so people know okay this is when spring training is starting because I think one problem that some of the other leagues have had is that they started too late. They would start in like mid-March or or in the beginning of April. And by then people had kind of moved on. This year, however, FCS football technically is starting at the end of February. And the vast majority of the games are being played the or the start of the big weeks when you get a lot of games. Like there's maybe a few games in the last week of February, but not many. The main time that the majority of the games are going to be played is going to be in the beginning of March. So you only have less than a month from the Super Bowl to that beginning point. And it may be a situation where fans who are on the fence. Now, granted, baseball has the added benefit of playing every day, so you can watch, you know, you can watch every day if you so choose. But basketball, there are games essentially every day. So it's this this spring is going to be very interesting to see where baseball is at in terms of popularity and how far they've fallen in terms of popularity because they really need to get their act together granted baseball as a whole isn't going anywhere there's going to be baseball and there are enough players by a long shot there's enough fans to keep it alive but it is definitely it has definitely become in terms of popularity i would say the third sport in 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 american sport for popularity if not maybe even lower than that but that that's that that part of it is just speculative an nba new an nba note uh real quick that actually just came out last night uh the league is working with the Players Association to have an All-Star Weekend still. That will occur in May. But it's not exactly a good a good thing for other players. Or, or for certain players, rather. Uh, LeBron James, in particular, is not happy. Oh, actually, excuse me. It will happen in March. It will still happen in March when it normally does, or normally would. Um, 
And I can understand the problems. I'll, I'll give my thoughts on whether or not they should be playing it in a, in a second. But let me just say, let me just read off what LeBron said last night after uh, after their game against Denver. He said, I have zero energy and zero excitement about an all-star game this year. I don't even understand why why we're having an all-star game. Short off-season for myself and my teammates, 71 days, referring to the time between when they played game six of the finals back in October to when they started in December. And then coming into this season, we were told that we were not having an all-star game, so we'd have a nice little break. Five days in March from the 5th through the 10th. An opportunity for me to kind of recalibrate for the second half of the season. My teammates as well, some of the guys in the league, and then they throw an all-star game on us like this, and it just breaks all the way. It just breaks that all the way up. So um, pretty much kind of a slap in the face. And I understand it. I understand it. Um, and and he did mention as well the plan in Atlanta, Farm Arena. That may not be the greatest place right now because they do not have uh, – they don't have as many restrictions in Georgia – uh, as they do elsewhere, which could lead to some other problems. The Hawks are one of only nine teams allowing fans in their home games right now. And and that's the problem. That, that's the problem, um, or that's the reasoning probably for why the NBA wants to do this. I'll just read off what uh, the rest of what LeBron said and just, right now real quick we're also still dealing with the pandemic which is he's right about we're still dealing with everything that's been going on and we're going to bring the whole league into one city that's open obviously the pandemic has absolutely nothing to do with it at this point when it comes to that weekend obviously you guys can tell that i'm not very happy about it and he he did say he would go if he were to be named an all-star which more than likely he's going to. Uh, but the big question is going to be how this works. Um, you know, I, I understand why the league is doing it, especially in Atlanta. They're trying to get some more money. They're they're wanting. They're probably going to sell tickets for it. There, you know, I don't know if ESPN has anything to do with this because it may be within the contract that they need to play the All-Star game or something like that. But here's the thing. Especially with Le- what LeBron said, with the fact that they have... They, their, their off-season was basically essentially cut in half. So the fact that you didn't have much of a uh, off season, you'd like to have that little break. And based on what I was reading, it said that they were going to have the skills competition, but it w- it was also reading, at least to me, based on what I read, it seemed like it 
that they are planning on only doing it on one day. So I don't know. First off, I don't know how that manages to work with, you know, timing and if there are players that are doing both. But also, based on what it said, it said skills competition. It did not specifically say anything about either the slam dunk contest or the three-point contest. Yes, those are technically part of the skills competition, but are they just going to cut down... Here's the thing. If they don't have the slam dunk contest and the three-point contest, then it's a waste. Then it's a waste of time. Because, especially with how the players feel, and especially, I'm sure, how they feel with this, following, you know, everything that's happened, and and I'm sure LeBron is not the only one that has the sentiment that he does. That being said, if they don't... uh, if they don't um, find a way, or what am I trying to say? Excuse me. If if they don't have the skills competition, or if they don't have the, the slam dunk contest in the three-point contest, it, it's a waste. Because, yes, you're going to have the game itself, but especially with what LeBron said, and I'm sure his sentiment, just his own, I'm sure there are plenty of others who have the same sentiment as he does with it. And with the and with the way the game is played already, as is, you know, uh, e- you know, even on a regular season, a lot of players still kind of uh a lot of players still shelve it in uh for that game it's very much just a pickup game and not and nobody really actually tries it's just gonna be you know it's not gonna be worth it because the only thing and and maybe this is just me i mean i'll watch it if it's the only thing that's on but I think a lot of people, especially more casual NBA fans, don't actually watch the actual All-Star game, the the game itself. The only thing they'll watch is the stuff on All-Star Saturday, the slam dunk contest, the three-point contest, maybe the skills competition. But outside of that, and and, you know, They'll watch, you know, the celebrity all-star game and stuff like like the fun stuff in All-Star Weekend. And this is kind of this, this pandemic has has shown us a lot of things. But one thing and and I'll say, I'll admit it, I I have a nostalgic love for all-star games. Some more than others. But with the way the leagues are built and with the TV contracts, one of the big reasons for the all-star games existing in the first place was the fact that the leagues 
or certain players weren't seen on a national level because their market or whatnot. And so it was a way to highlight the best of the best players on a national level and give their give, give some players their moment in the sun. And I understand that. I appreciate that. But if but today with how TV deals are and the fact that pretty much everyone no matter what market you're in pretty much everyone is given a national spotlight. Some more than others, obviously, based on the team that you play on and based on your profile, all of that. But look at a player in a, in a, in a small market. Let, let's go, just, let's talk about the NBA right now because that's that's the all-star game that we're talking about right now. Look, look at Giannis right now. Very small market. Not many people talk about the Bucks as a team, but Giannis gets talked about a lot. Durant and Russell Westbrook when they were in Oklahoma City. Yes, it was an expan not really an expansion team, but they got moved to Oklahoma City and there was some spotlight on them because of that. But after that faded, they were still talked about because they were, you know, big time stars even though they were in a small market. Look at James Harden in in Houston. Yes, Houston isn't exactly a small market in ter- you know on an overall level, but it's still it's still not one of the big big cities in terms of what you would traditionally talk about. So it's so it's not like this is a situation where, you know, oh, you know, we need the All-Star game to give these players the rub. If anything, what gives players the rub and gives them that spotlight is the skills competition. And honestly, I would be perfectly fine if they want to do it, which they'll never do because I think I have a feeling I know the real reason for why they want to do this. But if if they really wanted to give the players a highlight uh, and a spotlight to focus on some players that may not get the recognition that they that they deserve, just do the skills competition. Yes, you can name it the All Star team and whatnot, and maybe the well, probably not because that's the other thing too about it. Even when it comes to the skills competition, you know, back in the day the the superstar players wanted to be a part of it. Now, the all-star game for the top-of-the-line players just feels like a chore. And they just they go simply because they were chosen, competitions or anything like that. And it's just not as much fun as it was back in the day. So, yes, I'm okay with them doing it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it if they do it, but especially if they don't do this, the slam dunk and three-point contest, I feel like it's kind of a waste. And it's and it's leaving a bad impression to the players in a year that, I forget if it's after this year or after next year, but there's another CBA coming up. And you don't want to have that hanging over your head of, 
oh, you basically forced us to play in an all-star game. Yes, technically it was agreed upon, but I don't think a lot of players are happy about it. So this is this is not a good step for the NBA when it comes to the next CBA. Thoughts on that? We'll take a quick break, come back, have a few other notes, uh, and then we'll talk about, we'll get you, you know, have a few other notes to talk about in the next half hour, a few other smaller things uh, to talk about. And then, uh, and then at the top of the hour, we'll we'll get all in on the end on uh, the Super Bowl. Get you ready for the big game on Sunday. So stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and as always, if you want to get in on the action, if you want to call in, talk some sports, whether it's pro, college, high school, whatever, if you want to give me your thoughts on the Super Bowl, any of that good stuff, be sure to call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323 784 9681. Lines are open 
and we want to hear from you, so be sure to call on in. But in the meantime, we'll jump on over. We'll talk a, l- a little bit of college right now. Uh, some small notes, small relatively speaking, but uh, a couple of uh, a couple of notes here. First off, South Carolina State women's basketball has decided to cancel the remainder of the season. Uh, you know, tough break for them, but you know, it it's kind of understandable. It seems like that's happening more and more. Uh, it it looks like we're gonna get through the season. We're gonna get through the tournament, all of that, but it's not going to be smoothly. Let's let's just put it that way. Yes, l- like I said, yes, we're gonna be able to get through things. You know, things are progressing, but a lot of people are rightfully afraid, especially with the the uh, you know the immune strain here and all of that. Yes, we're on the right track with that, but it's still a lot of people are uncertain about things. Uh, you know, as we head towards the year mark, since this has been hap- this has been going on, which is crazy to think about but uh you know we've learned a lot this year uh on on a number of different levels uh but it's just a matter of you know get getting through get, getting through the rest of this getting through the rest of this and you know some people are saying let's let's ride let's wait it out let's wait it out and SC State decided to do that. And it, it's been more on the women's side. And they don't have quite the financial reasoning for for continuing to play as the men do quite as much. But it's, uh, it's still something to, uh, to take note of. The big news this week, though, on the college front, isn't happening on the field per se. And a lot of it is still up in the air. But EA Sports uh sent the the Twitterverse and and the whole entire college football universe into a frenzy on Wednesday when they announced that they are bringing back the college football franchise the video game franchise. Now, one thing to note, and a lot of people pointed it out when this came out, it said college football, not NCAA football. So it's not going to, they're not going to be going through the NCAA. They are going through a different group uh, that is focused on getting the rights to no indication on whether or not this will include conferences, which to me personally would be a bit of a uh, deal breaker if they don't have. Because if for those of you who who play video games a lot, if if you guys have played uh, NBA Twenty One, the the newest one, and I think I have, I didn't play any of the recent ones before this. But I believe that 
this was the case for the other ones as well. When you're playing in college, yes, they have the teams, but they don't have the conferences. And as a result, the courts look very weird. You know, like I played as Syracuse in my career mode and being at the Carrier Dome without the ACC logo in the paint, it just didn't look right. So, although, granted, I will say the ACC logo on that court doesn't look right to me. It should be the Big East logo, but that's neither here nor there. But with that being said, the having having that is it, it's a it, it's a tricky situation, uh, and I don't think it would work as well if you don't have the conferences. Yes, if you have all the FBS teams, great. And I would love for them to get the FCS teams, but that may be a little trickier. But if you have all the FBS teams, great. But if you don't have the conferences on board, I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. And the big the the big thing that came out or the speculation that coming out and granted the or EA Sports has said that you know they they put out another thing after all the after everyone went crazy over the initial announcement they said you know you know be sure to follow us for updates throughout the next couple of years on this. And that got pe- that got people a little disappointed because it means that more than likely this game isn't coming out for another couple of years, probably not coming out until twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. But with that being said, first off, to all the people who are disappointed, I yes, would yes, would I love to see a new college football game come out next year? Of course. Or or later on this year? Of course. But first off, they haven't built a game in eight in seven years. Technically eight years now. They haven't built a game in eight years now. So do you really expect them to be able to build a new game from the ground up? in just a few months. No. No. And 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 a lot of people are worried about it being a Madden clone and this is how you don't get a Madden clone is because they're taking the time to build the game from the bottom up instead of just taking the engine that they use for Madden and just transitioning it over. So this is a positive that they're taking this long to build it. So that that's one upside is that they're taking the time to build it properly and get everything right, all of that. That's good. The other positive, which when when this came out, uh I forget who who said it, but someone uh came out and said that because of the rights issues for players, it's going to be very strict on, you know, what you're able to do. They're going to have generic names or not, you know, it, it's the, 
the players are going to be very generic. Uh, and there's going to be no customization of rosters or, or anything like that allowed in order to avoid any ish, any legal issues uh, as a result of players not being able to be in the game because of NIL issues. Which, first off, if if it does happen that they have to go that route because of NIL issues I don't see how they can get sued for individuals creating the rosters themselves it's not like they're doing it themselves it's it's basically them you know yes they leave it open and and I guess in a, in theory that could be left up to interpretation, but I don't think that would hold up in court because you can't you can't help what other people do. You know, by that logic, then you know other games should be held liable for what other people have done in their creative, you know, in their creation modes. Because every game, every game that has a create a player, create a team, create a whatever, has used it to build real-life players and real-life teams. You know, whether it's baseball building, you know, uh, you know, back, you know, back in the, in the, uh, you know, MLB MVP 2005 you know when they had they did have a bunch of the legend players but then you know you, you couldn't build a full roster off of them so you had to build uh other legends you know uh you know individual games like a fighting game you know a boxing or UFC or WWE building guys that aren't in the game already you know so it's not it's not a situation where I don't see how I don't see how you could possibly uh, hold hold the company liable for for that sort of situation. So that's that's I don't see how that's going to work. But even if that were the case, even let's play under the assumption that were the case. That's another reason for why you have this extra time built in. Because the NIL legislation is already in motion. You know, they're talking about it in Congress right now. And the consensus is that within within a year or so, if not quicker we're going to have some sort of official NIL legislation where players are able to profit from their name image and likeness. So with so if that's the case, then as soon as that goes into effect, then EA Sports can say, "Okay, we can we can figure out a way to get the players into the game now." So for those who were worried about that, don't fret. I think it's I, I think it's a little pre preemptive. It's, it's a little it's a little early to be talking about 
stuff like that. So at this point, me personally, I'm just happy that we're we're getting a new game. I'm looking forward to the new game. Um, personally, I'm uh, I'm a little uh, the the only thing I'm worried about with that, and again, it's something that you know when this is something that. When when it first got announced, there is that question mark hanging over over the air with this. But the the big question mark uh, for me, especially if they can't get it done, is will we get Team Builder back? Because that that's my big deal breaker. Because I I like playing uh, I'm I like playing with the high school guys. I like being you know. You know, I, I, unfortunately, Team Builder is since gone, so on 14, you can't really build the more uh, recent teams. But, you know, playing as Carolina Forest, playing, you know, as North Myrtle Beach, playing against Myrtle, playing, you know, get, you know, getting the high schools and, and being able to play those games. So that's, that's something that I'm, hoping that they will bring back into the game and I think they should be able to bring back into the game. Uh so that would be the only deal breaker that I would have uh personally. But that that was the big news that came out on Wednesday and and a lot of people were happy about it. I was certainly happy about it. Uh and it, or actually I think it was on Tuesday that it came out. Uh, I, you know, it, it was certainly a good, a, a good, uh, a, a good little news piece, uh, for all, all those gamers out there and, and just for college football fans in general, you know, uh, being able to say that there is a game out there for it. Hopefully they bring back, uh, college basketball. I want to see college basketball, and I wouldn't even mind seeing college. I I would like to see college baseball come back. Yes, it wasn't as successful as EA Sports would have liked it to be, but you know, I'd like them to get back into that as well. So that you know, good news all around for that. Uh, and you know, just it, it was a very good day for uh for for. Uh, gamers for sports gamers everywhere over the last couple of days. Uh, and we're just a few minutes away from the top of the hour. Uh, we've got, you know, we'll, we'll switch gears to the NFL at the top of the hour. Got some, got a big trade to talk about and my thoughts on that. And then we've got the, uh, we've got a full, uh, Super Bowl preview for you guys uh, coming up in just a little bit. And as always, if you want to call on in, if you want to get your thoughts on anything uh, in the world of sports, whether you want to talk about the NFL and the Super Bowl, if you want to talk about anything else, uh, if you want to talk about National Signing Day, which we'll talk about a little later on, um, no matter what you want to talk about, be sure to call on in. 
323-784-9681 is the number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. And, you know, it, it's it's the big weekend. It, it's the big game this weekend. Uh, you know, and for me personally, this year has been weird. It does not feel like we're only a few uh only a few days away from the Super Bowl. Let me just put it that way. This 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 year has been so so crazy. And it just it, it flew by like that. You know, it just feels like yesterday that, you know, we were starting the NFL college high school season uh, back in September. Uh, and now we're almost done. And like I said before, for all you football fans, for all for all of those of you who are completely obsessed with football and that's your, you know, your primary go-to sport, don't fret because this year, hey, you yeah, you had it last year to an extent with the XFL, but even more so this year, you get the FCS. You get FCS football in the spring, and you know, on top of regular spring football uh, on the FBS level. So it's it's going to be an interesting. Uh, it's going to be an interesting next couple of months. Let's just put it that way. Uh, like I said, it's it, it's it's going. This is going to be an interesting. I mean, I guess we kind of had it in in the in the fall, uh, with all four sports going on at once too. Uh, you you did have it actually. Now that I think about, it, you had it even more in the fall, uh, in September where you had you know. You had baseball going, you had football, you had basketball, and you had hockey all going at the same time. Uh, so this has been a fun year in that sense. You know, you it, it, it's kind of funny. And uh, when uh, when I was on uh, Southern Sports Central uh, on the main show a while back, we we mentioned this where. You had that off time where you had no sports at all. And now you're kind of getting the, you know, now you're kind of getting a reward for waiting for sports to come back because now you have all sports pretty much at this point. Not right at the moment, but, you know, in September you had all all four sports going. Uh, In October, for the most part, you had all four sports going. and so you had that added bonus and and now you're getting even more of a bonus because you've got FCS football coming up and basketball's going strong, hockey's going strong, baseball's on its way. So I- enjoy it while it lasts. And I wouldn't mind, like I said, I wouldn't mind some of these leagues, you know, especially FCS if the ratings are good, kind of looking at it and saying, hmm, this is a way to kind of get ourselves more on the map. 
Will they do it? Probably not, but it it could be something that they can look into. So we'll take a quick break and come right back, and then at when we come back at the top of the hour, we'll get you ready. We'll talk. Got one big, big trade to talk about first, and then we will talk Super Bowl. Super Bowl preview coming up after the break at the top of the hour right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscoping, and now we will turn over 
to the NFL. And before we get started talking Super Bowl, just have to talk about a big, big blockbuster trade that came out earlier this week. Matthew Stafford was traded from the Lions to the Rams for Jared Goff, two first-round picks, and a third-round pick. And first off, let me say, I guess I was wrong about the Rams being still being confident about Jared Goff, which, and I know I'm in the minority here. I understand I'm in the minority here. But Jared Goff has a bad rap, and he does not deserve it. Let me just, let me pull up some of his numbers before, before we, uh, before we talk about, uh, you know, the, the trade and, and my thoughts on, on the trade. I'm just going to give you some numbers. Because he does, he gets a much worse rap than than he deserves. This is the his big season, his big breakout season was in was 2017. When he played in 15 games, he had 3,804 passing yards and 28 touchdowns. And then the bit the bigger year the the year that they made it to the Super Bowl, 2018, he had 4,688 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, and that's when he got his big contract. The last two seasons, ever since 2019, he had 4,638 passing yards, only 50 passing yards less than the year prior. Yes, his touchdown numbers went down by 10, 32 to 22. Yes, the interceptions went up by 4, 12 to 16. But still, I would not say that's a huge, huge dip-off. And yes, they missed the playoffs. But that was just because of how strong the NFC West was. That, That had nothing. He did everything he could. And then this past season, passed for 3,952 yards. Yes, it was a bit of a dip, but he played one fewer game because he missed the final game of the season due to injury. Average 7.2 pass uh, yards per per attempt or per completion, which was only a .2 difference from the season prior. Yes, he had two fewer touchdowns, but he had three fewer interceptions. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me, but I don't see it. I do not see what all the all the fuss is of. Oh, the oh the Ram, you know the the Rams blew it with golf. Oh, the Rams wasted money on golf. Oh, that's one of the worst contracts in NFL history. Enough with that. Enough with that. BS. It it it's it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And I'm just gonna say it right now. 
the Lions the 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 Lions got away with highway robbery with this trade. They did. They absolutely did. Because not only because Matthew Stafford let, let's look at something else too. Jared Goff right now, 26 years old. He hasn't even hit his prime. You know, a lot of people and this this may be disputed. But a lot of, a lot of people say that uh your your prime is 27 a- athletically. That that your prime is 27. Goff only has a few years in, in the league. Yes, the Lions aren't exactly the best team in the world right now. They are, I, I will say, they are a building team. Or they are in a rebuilding mode. But compare him to Stafford, who's 32, which isn't, it's not old, but he's starting to get up there. And he hasn't really done anything spectacular in the league. He he's a good solid regular season quarterback. He he's 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 a guy that you can he's a guy that yes you can build a franchise around, but he's been in the league for over a decade now. And yeah, he's put up some great numbers. But a lot of those numbers he's been he's been declining ever since his massive year in 2011. He had that one amazing year and you know the the Ram, or the the Lions made it to the playoffs. He he looked like he was going to be the the wave of the future, but it, it it's just I don't see it. You know, and and the Lions had that amazing defense at that point too. So I just I don't see it. I I don't really see if I were to choose between Goff and Stafford, I probably wouldn't choose either as my franchise quarterback. But at this point, I think there's a lot more upside with Goff than there is with Stafford. And then on top of that, here's the thing: the Lions get a full on ro- get get a full on highway robbery with with this one because here's the thing not only do they add golf who's a who's a quarterback who he's already proven that he can win yes he didn't win the big one proven that he can win he's a winning quarterback even even though the naysayers seem to think otherwise yes maybe here's the thing here's the thing about golf i don't think it's so much that he's not a good quarterback. He's not one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think it's the fact that he got that huge, huge contract a few years ago, which was at the time the largest contract that was ever given out to any player. And then the fact that he did not lead them to another Super Bowl, even though it was not his fault, by any stretch of the imagination. Then suddenly all this talk of, oh, is he overhyped? Is, is, is you know, is, was it a, was it a, you know, was it a horrible contract, et cetera, et cetera, started talking. And then that momentum 
of all these people talking negatively about him because of the contract, not because of anything he did, but simply because of the contract to production ratio. That is what caused what we see now. And the the Lions get a steal here. I'm just I'm just saying it outright. You know, I say you know, I, I can't stop saying it. The Lions pulled a full on highway robbery with this one. Because not only do they get golf, who I think still has a lot to prove and, and especially now will have a chip on his shoulder. And and I think Stafford maybe a slight downgrade from golf, but maybe maybe he had the experience to to get them to where the Rams want to be. But here's the thing. First off, no way is Stafford in and of himself worth all the pieces that the Rams gave up. And here's the funny thing, too, about it, is that Stafford wanted out of Detroit. So not only does not only do Detroit offload Stafford who wanted out of Detroit because of them saying they were rebuilding and all of that, which I'm sure golf isn't exactly happy about. He goes from a team that with just a few more pieces could have been a legitimate threat for the NFC West, if not the NFC in total. Uh, to now going to a team that, yeah, you may be one or two years away from being a contender. But with all Stafford is not worth everything that the Rams gave up. And the and the funny thing about it, what I, what I was about to say is that Stafford wanted out of Detroit because of them being a rebuilding franchise. So any team you would think could have easily lowballed the Lions, and the Lions. Now I don't know what Stafford's contract was. I'm sure he would have had to agree to the contract. But, but the the Rams could have very easily said, "Hey." Stafford for golf and the Lions would have had to think long and hard about it. They, a a team could have very easily played hardball with the Lions because they knew that the Lions were up against the wall when it came to Stafford. But instead the Rams, not only do they give up golf who, like I said, I think he is the better option between the two over Stafford. At the very least, they're even. But I would say he's a slight down. Stafford's a slight downgrade from Goff. But not only do they give up Goff, but they give up two first-round picks and a third round. And those are first-round picks in the future. I think one of them might be for this upcoming draft, but I'm not sure. I I haven't seen the official details on what year picks those are. But the Lions can now see what what, what Goff has while still having the picks 
to use if it doesn't work out. So they can see how well Goff plays. They can see what he still has. And they can decide, okay, is he our quarterback of the future? And do we build around him? Or do we, you know, do we use those picks to get our new quarterback? The Lions are in an amazing position right now. They they have it in the bag right now. They're, they're just, they, they've got so many options to go with. And like I said, this is a team that's in a rebuilding phase. But it's not like this team was, you know, terrible this season. They were playing pretty well, at least to start off the season. They started off the season quite well. Couldn't hang on to it. So, you know, the the concept that, you know, I, I think the Lions, yes, they definitely need to, you know, rebuild and everything. But I think they they can certainly uh you know they they can certainly get to that level. Uh, yes the Lions are notorious for being, you know, a franchise that is always in the gutter and all of this and poorly run and all of this. But they've made some decent moves every now and again. Now, have those moves always worked out? No. But think I think if they got some pieces around golf, especially in the very there's going to be a lot of turnover in the NFC North over the next few years. You know, presumably Rodgers is going to go elsewhere. Uh you know the Vikings are kind of in flux. The Bears are in flux. So you could do something. You could do something in the NFC North. The big question is whether or not they're able to. But I, as of right now, and obviously we don't, we haven't seen what is going to come of those picks, and we don't know how this is going to turn. But just looking at it on paper, you have to say that the Lions came out of this trade absolutely glowing at this point. And only time will tell whether or not I'm I'm proven right. But that those are my thoughts on this on this trade. The Lions the Lions came away huge with this trade. And it, it it it's it's an interesting situation now because it it takes Stafford off the market, takes LA off the market now. I, I, I like I said last week, I don't I didn't think LA was on the market for a quarterback anyway. I didn't think they were going to go with this trade. So it doesn't really change my thoughts on where Deshaun Watson would land or where Aaron Rodgers potentially could land if he decides to ask for a trade. So it doesn't really change that all that much. It it, it does 
kind of make it intriguing to see how quickly things move along with those other two. So those are that's my overall thoughts on on that trade. And now it is time to move on. It is Super Bowl Sunday or will be Super Bowl Sunday this weekend. So let's talk Super Bowl. First, a quick little note and and it's it's crazy. You know, we're this is Super Bowl 55. Time in Super Bowl history, that one of the two teams, and it's actually kind of ironic, considering, I mean, I'm, there are going to be some fans, but it's not going to be full capacity, obviously. So it's kind of ironic that this happens this year of all years. But it is the first time in Super Bowl history that one of the two teams are going to be playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium with the Super Bowl being played at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay uh, this year. The only other time that it even came close was back uh, 80s. Let me remember what the the, uh, actual year was. But back in the 80s, in, or actually, it was, well, technically it happened in the 80s. It was the 1979 season, occurred January 20th, 1980. The Los Angeles Rams played in Super Bowl fourteen. And that occurred in the Rose Bowl. Now, the Rams played at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum, so it wasn't the same stadium, but it was the same city or the same metropolitan area. So that's the only other time come even close to playing uh, in their own stadium. And it, 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 like I said, it's it's very ironic that this happens now, this year of all years, when when uh, there are no fans able to be in attendance. Uh, these two teams did face off once this season already. Uh, face off in Week 12, the Chiefs won that game, 27-24. But as we've seen time and time again. Teams that face off against each other previously in in the regular season, the losing team can, uh, from the original matchup kind of has an edge because they can learn from that instead of going into the game saying, oh, we beat these guys once before, we can beat them again. So maybe a bit of an edge there to, to Tampa Bay. I'll give my official uh, prediction in, in just a little bit. But let's first, before we do that, let's run down the matchups and give you the uh, who, where I see the edges uh, for each uh, position uh, for for each squad or each position level. We're gonna start off 
where else but the quarterback position? It's the battle between the old guard and the new age quarterbacks. It's a battle of eras, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, some, some, uh, a, a quick little note, uh, you know, this is, you know, we've seen this matchup before, but this is on the biggest stage that they've ever faced off against each other. Uh, Mahomes was only six when Brady won his first Super Bowl back in 2009. And Brady is looking to both, he, he's looking to set a few uh, records. First, looking to join Peyton Manning as the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl with two different franchises. Peyton Manning doing it with both the Colts and the Broncos. Some notable guys that have attempted but weren't able to do it, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, uh, Donovan McNabb. Well, McNabb never actually won a Super Bowl with any of the franchises he played with. Uh, Kerry Collins tried to do it with, uh, you know, with both the Rams and the Giants. He didn't win, or with the Titans uh, and the Giants. Uh, You know, so... Or excuse me, Kurt Warner rather tried to do it with the Rams and the Giants. Uh, but so Brady is trying to be the only quarterback outside of Payne to win a Super Bowl, Super Bowl with two different franchises. And Brady on his own now. Now, if he was with the Patriots, he the Patriots would have surpassed it. But Brady on his own now, if he wins this, would surpass the. Steelers with the most Super Bowl wins of all time, both the Patriots and Steelers both having six right now, and all of those six for the Patriots coming uh, from Brady, uh, coming during the Brady era. So Brady on his own would surpass the Steelers as a franchise to have the most Super Bowl wins in NFL history. That's cool. I mean, just think about that. Just think about that. You know, you have the Steelers, you have the Cowboys, you have the 49ers that prior to Brady were considered the 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 legendary teams because they had six or five Super Bowl championships. And now Brady on his own. Now the Patriots right now also sitting at six because of all the because of all the Super Bowls that Brady has won. But now Brady, if he were to win on his own, would have more than the Steelers and the Cowboys and the Forty ers That it's just it's it's quite the feat to think about. And like I mentioned, Mahomes. You know, he he was only six when Brady won the first one in 2001. Who do I give the edge to? I don't know if you can really say. I don't know if you can really say who who gets the edge in this one. Because Brady has the experience. He has you know, all all the accolades you can think of. And if this were Mahomes' first Super Bowl, 
I would say Brady hands down. But because Mahomes has been there already, because Mahomes has been ha, has won a Super Bowl already, because Mahomes won it last year, I know if you 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 can't say that straight up at this point. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is a push. And this is definitely the matchup to watch, and I think whoever wins the game, unless one of them has a complete goose egg and their defense covers for them, which I doubt is going to happen, but whoever wins the game, they're getting the MVP. Whichever team wins, the the quarterback's getting the MVP. So that's the big matchup to watch overall. Versus Mahomes. Going to the go, going on to going on to the other positions. Running back, I'm going to give a slight edge to the Chiefs with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over Leonard Fournette. Uh, the big question marks for this one are going to be whether or not the uh, their backups are ready for this game. You know, you you've got Lashawn McCoy. Uh, and Ronald Jones the second uh, for Tampa Bay, and then obviously Le'Veon Bell for Kansas City. Will those guys be able to produce? You know, McCoy and Jones aren't uh, don't have any injuries to speak of. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is uh, does have an injury, but he's been practicing, so he should be good to go for for the Super Bowl. And and not really all that surprising. You're you're gonna play in the Super Bowl if you can, but the question is going to be how healthy is he? But I'll give I'll give a slight, slight edge to the Chiefs. Wide receivers, I'm gonna give a slight edge to Tampa Bay. Uh but the big question marks are going to be uh how healthy are Sammy Watkins and Antonio Brown. You know, are those two ready to go? But I'm going to, like I said, I'll give a slight, slight edge to Tampa Bay. Because, yeah, you know, the Chiefs have Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins. Those are the main two to watch out for. And with Watkins not at 100%, you really only have one big target. Whereas the Buccaneers, they've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. So, I I got to give the edge to Tampa Bay there. Tight ends, I'll give a slight edge to Tampa Bay as well with that one. Uh, you know, Gronk, you, you got to give it to Gronk and his experience in this position. Yes, you got Travis Kelsey. He's been in, he was in this position last year. So it's not like the Chiefs are, you know, devoid of tight end talent. But I I have to give the slight edge to Tampa Bay and and the chemistry, Brady and Gronk. Offensive line, I'm going to give the edge to Kansas City. They I think they have the stronger offensive line. 
Defensive line, I'm going to give a slight edge to Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, uh, they they have some great pieces that, uh, on the defensive front. Obviously, Ndamukong Sue, Vita Villa, uh, you know, they, they're going to be strong up front. Linebacker core, edge Tampa Bay. You know, they, they've got some great linebackers, PP, Levante Davis, Shaquille Barrett. Uh, you know, no disrespect to the defensive or to the uh, linebacking core for Kansas City, but I just I think that uh, Tampa Bay has the edge there. Secondary, I'll give a slight edge to Kansas City. Just, uh, just because of Tyron Matteo out there, uh, but again, very, very slight there. Special teams got to give the edge to Kansas City. Uh, not only would I take, uh, not only would I take Butker over Suckup, but Tyree Kill being a, a returner, you know, he's got that speed. He can make anything, and anything is possible when he is out there on a return. The overall running back edge Chiefs, wide receiver edge Buccaneers, and edge Tampa Bay, line Chiefs, D-line Tampa Bay, linebacker Tampa Bay, secondary Chiefs, special teams Chiefs, 4-4. to and I'm giving a push on the quarterbacks. This is going to be a tight. Unfortunately, we've said that for the past couple of years, and it hasn't come to pass. Uh, or if it has been, it's it, it's been a situation where uh, one team has dominated one quarter, the other has dominated the other. Uh, you know, look at last year. No. The, the closest game over the last couple of years was the Eagles and New England. And that game was a game that, you know, the uh, the Patriots were dominating the majority of the game before the Eagles came back to win it. Uh, you did have the overtime win in... Uh, you did have the overtime game in 2016, but again, another situation where it was the Falcons were dominating for the first half and then the Patriots came back. So I don't think this is going to be another situation like that with one team dominating the first half and then the other team having to bounce back and, and come from behind to win. Um, so I I'm gonna have to go I'll go I'm gonna go Patriots or excuse me, sorry, not Patriots. So so still so used to uh Brady going uh Brady being with the Patriots. Uh I'm gonna this this is a tough one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's going in. This game's gonna go into overtime. I'm calling it right now. This game's gonna go into overtime. 
And my final my final I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this game is going to be I'm gonna say Chiefs win thirty five twenty eight. Chiefs are gonna Chiefs win thirty five twenty eight. That that that's my that's my official prediction. Chiefs win thirty five twenty eight. What happens after the Super Bowl and we'll talk I'll talk about all of this next week. But what happens following the Super Bowl with Brady is going to be very interesting. And I think it all depends upon whether they win or not. But 35-28, Chiefs win in overtime. That's my prediction. Before we take a quick break, and then we'll switch gears over to... Uh, we'll, we'll switch over to um, the... Uh, over to the high school level. We'll run through some of the prop bets because this is always fun. These are always the fun. That's the one thing like the Super Bowl and and one thing that is going to be kind of disappointing uh about this Super Bowl just because of the uh just because of the pandemic and everything. And it's understandable, but at the same time it's it's very disappointing is that because of the pandemic and because of you know losing money throughout the the pandemic and everything a lot of companies are not buying ad space for the Super Bowl so this year and aren't going as all out this season so it's going to be interesting to see how good or not so good the Super Bowl commercials are this year. But so we've got some prop bets for you. Um First some uh you know the some of the fun ones are uh you know like the coin toss which and and it's it's something that I always um I always talk about um it was never about the gold I, I always, uh, you know, I always say this. Uh, you know, th- this is one of the first ones that that people always talk about. Uh, the coin toss, heads or tails. Yeah, it's a luck one, but and and I, a lot of people seem to agree with me on this one. Tails never fails. That's always my motto, uh, and it's minus one oh one for tails. Tyreek Hills. Uh, total receiving yards over 93.5 is the favorite at minus 115. And I think I'd have to agree with that one. Uh, team to record first sack, 
Chiefs uh, at plus 115. And considering my outlook defensively, I'd I'd have to I'd have to disagree with that one. I I think I'd go with Tampa Bay. I think I'd go with Tampa Bay for the team to record the first sack. Uh, will both teams lead in the first half? Yes, at plus one fifteen. I think I'd have to agree with that one. I think this one, like I said, this is going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be a very it's going to be. To be uh, this one's going to be one of the closest we've seen in a while, just throughout the game. You know, we've seen, we saw the, like I mentioned, we saw the overtime game a few years ago, but that was a situation where the one team did so well in the first half and it looked like it was over and then the other team came back. This game is going to be a lot closer, I think. First bat, pass by Tom Brady will be complete minus 180. I think I think we have to agree that that's probably the case. So those are some of the prop bets uh, that are out there. And yeah, just this is going to be a fun weekend. We'll have all the talk uh, of what to expect uh, moving forward. Uh, and we'll have lot we'll have lots of talk about you know what what happened during the game next next week, uh, and then get you ready for uh, for next season uh, next week. F- football season, at least on the NFL side, coming to an end this weekend. So I- enjoy it. Enjoy it. This this, it, this is going to, like I said, this is going to be one of the best Super Bowls that we've seen in a while, I think. Just because of the players that are playing in it. Uh, what What's expected out of both of them. So, with about 20 minutes, we actually, I actually won't take a break. And with about 20 minutes before Brandon Dunn comes on from WPD, we'll switch gears over to the high school level. First, talk some recruiting notes. National Signing Day coming on this Wednesday. Talk about that. But before we get to that, talk about a few offers that some players got from around the state. Bryson Boone from Blythewood offered by UNC Greensboro. Braden Blackman from Burns, offered by and then committed to Western Carolina earlier this week. Monroe Freeling from Oceanside, offered by both North Carolina and Coastal Carolina. So, yeah, a busy week. Jacob Ashley from Oceanside. Also from Oceanside, he was offered by Georgia State. Drew Bobo from Hammond, offered by Georgia Tech. DJ Stoker, also from Hammond, offered by Wake Forest. Riggs Falkenberry from Greenville, offered by Virginia Tech. Demetrius Watson from Fort Dorchester, offered by Syracuse. Jaheim Lawson from Daniel got a bunch of offers this week, was offered by Syracuse, Georgia Tech, and Liberty. 
Andre Hodge from Catawba Ridge, offered by Liberty. Xavier Short from Chapin, also offered by Liberty. Chase Swigert from Chapin, he was offered by a bunch of schools. Tulane, Charlotte, and USF. Sam Suma from Hilton Head was offered by TCU and Louisville. Evan Tyler from Brooklyn Casey, offered by Wofford. That's his father's alma mater, so congrats to him, and maybe the legacy will continue there. Marvin Gant from Batesburg-Leesville, offered by Citadel. Matthew Davis from Blacksburg, offered by Gardner-Webb. Desmond McMillan from Crestwood, offered by Presbyterian. Xavion Wells from Lakewood, offered by North Carolina A&T and Marshall. Mac Gresham from Wando, offered by USF. Spring Valley, offered by South Carolina. Marquis Anderson from Dormand, offered by South Carolina. Regian Bennett from Trinity Collegiate, offered by Navy. Antonio Williams from Dark got a couple of offers just uh, over the last few hours got offered by Kentucky and Notre Dame. So congrats to him. He uh he had adds his name uh he adds a a couple of schools to his list and you know he's uh he's been getting a ton of offers so he he's definitely one to watch and he's still he he's only uh a junior so we we've got another year of him. Uh, before he moves on uh, to the next level, and and that's that's pretty that that's pretty crazy to think about. You know, a lot lot of wide receiver, uh, lot lot of wide receiver um, talent coming out of South Carolina recently. Davin Jackson from Sumter, he was offered by NC State and Georgia State, so congrats to him. Mon- Montique. Rams from Sumter, offered by NC State. Salt Harden from Myrtle Beach, offered by ECU. And the man we had on last week, Ryan Berger from Myrtle Beach, he got his second D1 offer from Old Dominion. Eric Rice from going on to some commitments. Eric Rice from AC Flora committed to South Carolina, as did KJ Scott from Greenwood. Adonis Davis from Blackville Hilda commits to SC State. Jordan Smith from Ridgeview committed to SC State as well, as did Kaishan Jones from Strom Thurmond. Jonathan Burns from South Aiken committed to Gardner-Webb. Davion Piles from Irmo committed to Mercer. Gabriel Harris from Loris Manning Academy committed to Wofford. Nazeva Burns, Burris from Burns committed to Stetson. And Emmanuel Johnson Originally from Fort Dorchester, is transferring from Georgia Tech to Coastal. And now moving on to the National Signing Day news. Bunch of guys uh, from the around the state committed or signing their name to paper to go on to the next level, to the Division One level. First, we'll start off with all the SC State signings. Ian Shark from Carlton County, Chris Austin from Orangeburg Wilkinson, Nijon Barber from Ridgeview, Jordan Smith from Ridgeview, Carlin 
Waymeyers from Hunter Kin Hunter Kinnard Tyler, Adonis Davis from Blackville Hilda, Octavia Minter from Chester, Elijah Young from Laura Richland, and Gavin Zimmerman from Crestwood all signed with SC State. And as did more locally, Malachi Williams from Darlington, he also signed with the Bulldogs. So lots of SC State guys. And one one thing that uh, came up this week was the fact that Wofford did not sign any South Carolina players. Uh, a bit of controversy there uh, that one of the local in-state schools did not sign any in-state recruits. Charleston Southern signed to uh, local guys, Jalen Hayward from First Baptist and TJ Ruff from Crest. Miller DeArmond from Greer signed with Western Carolina. Jonathan Burns from South Aiken signed with Gardner-Webb, as did Tim Brand from Trinity Collegiate and Cole Hoskins from Chesney. From Blythewood and John Javis from Spring Valley, both signed with Army. Citadel got a couple of, added a good few uh, recruits. Ahmad Green from May River. Cole England from Lawrence. Austin Brown from Carolina Academy. Mason Floyd from Ben Lippin. Miles Scott from Eastside. Colton Paul Mason from Gilbert. Savon Washington from First Baptist. David Sutherland from Abbeville, and Philip Collins from Aiken. Presbyterian signed a bunch of uh, in-state guys. James Krim from Camden. Weston Hance from York. Nick Humphreys from Lawrence. Omar Khan from Dorman. James Loris from Eastside. And those are all the guys going to Presbyterian. Udre Lindsay from Gaffney signed with Howard. Ethan Reynolds from Boiling Springs signed with Campbell. Dre Pinkney from Boiling Springs also signed with, also from Boiling Springs signed with Coastal. Luke Evans from Abbeville also signed with Coastal. Will Fowler from Sparenberg signed with USF. Kayan Sullivan from Boiling Springs, he signed with App State. J.D. Therrell from Clover signed with Charlotte. Mason Harrington from Hammond signed with Wofford. Howie Thomas, Thomas from Walhalla also signed with Wofford. Actually, it wasn't Wofford. I'm actually on what uh, what school it was right now. I did not find any uh, in-state guys, but it, it it's online, so be sure to look look out for that. Uh, T.J. Sanders. Or excuse me, Eric Rice from AC Florida signed with South Carolina, as did T.J. Sanders from Marion. And so now some of the local guys around the Grand Strand and PD, starting off in the Florence area, Hashan Wilson from South Florence officially signed with Charlotte. Marshall Brown from West Florence signed with Citadel, as did Dylan Snyder from West Florence. And on the baseball diamond, George Derek Floyd from West Florence, also signed with Citadel. So Citadel getting a lot of uh, West Florence guys going their way. 
And the big news, the big news coming out of uh, this signing period was the fact that Chase Simmons from North Myrtle Beach, he was originally committed to Coastal, but after getting an offer from Syracuse a few weeks ago, decided to flip from Coastal and go up north to Syracuse, go up to New York State, and sign with the Orange and goes to the ACC. Henry Duke signed with Virginia, and on the baseball diamond, Billy Barlow signed with Clemson, all those guys from North Merle. And Kyle Watkins, after committing right after the early signing day, officially puts it pen to paper and signs with Wofford Kyle Watkins from Carolina Forest. Some other quick notes before uh, we take a quick break and then we'll come back. We'll have Brandon Dunn on at the top of the hour. Uh, we'll talk about the the recruiting class, talk about his thoughts um, on, on that uh, front, uh, and talk about a few other things that I'll talk about in just a second. Uh, so have that at the top of the hour. Some basketball updates. Um, the uh, Chesney boys forced to quarantine for the remainder of the season, so their season is over. Uh, North Charleston boys decided to stop the rest of the season. No quarantine for them. But just out of an abundance of caution, they decided to uh, they decided to stop the rest of the season. And Southport girls also having to quarantine for the remainder of their season, missing the region tournament. Uh, who they were supposed to play at Darlington in the first round of the region tournament. We'll have to ask uh, Brandon Dunn. We'll ask him in just a little bit what the protocol is there do does Darlington get the get a bye as well as North Myrtle or does Darlington and North Myrtle now play each other uh in the first round or what what is the protocol there SCHSL still yet to decide on a location uh for the basketball finals but they said they hope to have a decision within the next couple of weeks so we'll have an update for you guys when whenever that comes uh comes to pass. Other uh quick news and notes. Uh we'll run down polls a little later on uh for for both of for all of the uh region or for all of the classifications on a for a couple of different sports. Uh in a little bit. Uh, first, some some other notes. Uh, Spring Valley AD Tim Hunter decided to hang him up. He's retiring after this season, so that's a bit that's a big opening in the state uh, to see what happens there. A couple of AD openings uh, opening up this season. The the big one around here, obviously, being Joe Quigley being uh, retiring. So. Not just the coaching carousel, but the AD carousel starting up in full force, uh, moving towards the summer. Stephen Cagle hired as the Ben Lippin head coach. He's the son of former White Knoll head coach Mark Cagle, 
So congratulations to him, and he he's got some big shoes to fill, uh, and and a program that definitely wants to get rebuilt. Uh, Colin Sadler from Greenville named to the Max Preps All American team. Congratulations to him. He's headed uh, headed out. He'll I believe if I remember correctly, he's going to South Carolina. So he will be a big cog in that team moving forward. Will Murray, who might have taken over as the starting quarterback at North Merrill Beach next season, uh, would have had some competition from Cam Freeman, obviously, uh, because Cam would still be there. He, he's going into his senior season next year. Uh, it still would, you know, it, it still would have been an interesting uh situation there uh between those two you know the Chiefs definitely wanted to use Murray but he is heading back uh to North Carolina uh for you know to to continue playing he he came down from North Carolina last season um as a result of COVID and and not being able to play uh, in the regular season, uh, well, not having a regular se- having a season to speak of in the fall, uh, this past fall. Uh, some football schedules starting to come out slowly but surely uh, for next season. Uh, some some games of note for Week One uh, from around the state. T.L. Hanna will face off against Lawrence. Timberland will face off against Keenan, Emerald against 96, York against Malden, Easley against Wade Hampton, Dorman against Clover, Anor against Lakeview, and the big one uh, in the big one locally. Now, this game, this matchup would have, well, actually, it's kind of interesting. It, it, it's a tale of two teams, essentially, because it's one team that is has had a meteoric rise over the last few years, obviously made it to the state championship this season against a team that has a strong history, but a lot of people and rightfully so feel that they've been underperforming uh, as of late. And that is Conway facing off against North Myrtle beach week one. That's going to be a fun little one. That's going to be an interesting game. It's going to it's going to be interesting to see how North Merrill Beach is uh, after losing some of their key cogs. Obviously, Chase Simmons, Henry Duke, uh, you know, losing those pieces, but still having most of their core there uh, against the Conway team that you know thinks that they should be better than they have been. Uh, and are in a position where they're they're wanting to rebuild the program. So that's going to be a fun that's going to be a fun little matchup week 1. That that's for sure. That that is definitely for sure. And and as more schedules come out uh and whatnot, we'll we'll have all of those schedules for you uh as they become available. So with uh, a little over two minutes 
left before uh, the top of the hour. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Come right back. We'll have Brandon Dunn on at the top of the hour. Talk to him about a bunch of different topics. And as always, if you want to call in, be sure to do so. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. The number again, 323-784-9681. We'll take a break and be right back with Brandon Dunn right here on Sports Unlimited on Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, we got Brandon Dunn from WPDE coming on. Brandon, how's it going this morning? Hey, how's it going, my man? Everything's Pretty good, good here. Pretty good. Big, 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 uh, big week for you, obviously, this week. Big weekend for everyone this weekend. But before we get to National Signing Day and all of that good stuff and then talk about some Super Bowl stuff, uh, big news coming out. Yesterday, uh, on the basketball court, South Florence girls having the quarantine uh, for the remainder of the season. Their season comes to an end. Any news on how that impacts Darlington, who was supposed to play them in the region tournament, and North Myrtle Beach, who were supposed to have a bye? Are they changing anything, or does Darlington just get a bye, or how is that going to work out? Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's pretty early in the situation. I think they're probably still trying to figure that out because uh, that came down pretty late yesterday afternoon. And you got to feel for those girls at uh, at South not having that opportunity. Um, but um, you know, it, it, the way this season's gone, it, it's not surprising that this situation has uh, arose. Um, so I, I think they're trying to figure out exactly how to move forward in terms of who's going to play whom and 
so on and so forth, uh, with South not being uh, there uh, to play. So uh, I think we'll know more probably um, either later today or definitely by this weekend on kind of how they plan on moving forward uh, in terms of what Darlington's going to have to do and uh, obviously North, um, you know, doing extremely well as as they are and, and, and kind of uh, – uh, what their plan is as well. So it's going to be an interesting tournament to say the least. And um, hopefully uh, we don't have any more issues moving forward, um, getting into uh, next week's uh, region tournaments uh, in terms of uh, in 4A. Especially after this came out, I know this came out kind of late, so I'm not sure how much you've been able to talk to anyone, Uh, but how much of a concern is there, especially with how the beginning of the season started where the the vast majority of the teams had to go on some sort of quarantine? How much of a concern is there amongst the coaches, amongst you know administrators, that more teams aren't going to get hit? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that – I mean, at, at this point, coaches are just hoping – that they can play. I mean, I don't really think anybody's really, um, I don't know how to put this. Um, I I know they're, they're concerned obviously, because I mean, anything can happen one day. You can be fine. The next day you can be hit and, and have your season ends. Um, but I'm not sure that the the coaches are, are sitting around, you know, um, really honestly thinking that I think more so along the lines of their trust, trying to figure out, you know, who their next opponent is and, trying to prepare for that and just and just hope for the best because i mean at this point you know all that stuff's out of everybody's hands i mean there's not really anything anybody can really do outside of what they've been doing just make sure that you're you know the kids are doing what they're supposed to do but you know um you really can't control any of that other stuff to be perfectly honest so i think they're just hoping to uh to set out a game plan and, and and get ready for whomever they're supposed to face and uh and just hope for the best at this point With the games that have been going on, both on the boys' and girls' side, any teams that have really stood out to you that have impressed you from the beginning, from the restart, uh, that may look to try to make a run? You know, North Myrtle Beach looks really good. Um, You know, they've played really good basketball over the last uh, several weeks. Uh, Impressed by them. Um, I saw Hannah Pamplico last night. Um, you know, they beat Johnsonville for the second time. They've only lost one game. Um, you know, they were down uh, in a pretty big hole and came back and won last night. Uh, they look pretty uh, pretty impressive um, in terms of what, uh, of what they can do. Um, you know, outside of that, there really isn't anybody because we just haven't seen a lot from um, teams out there. Um, you know, actually, the Loris girls come to mind. I've seen them. They're going to be really, really tough um, to beat. Uh, they're just really good uh, in terms of how they play. Um, they play a full man press the whole game, pretty much. They move the ball really well. They're going to be really hard uh, to uh, to beat. Um, impressed with uh, with them. But outside of that, like I was getting ready to say, it's just a small sample of what we've seen just because we haven't really seen many teams out there, um, you know, that have been consistent 
uh, over the last couple of months uh, in terms of trying to play as many games as they possibly can without having to uh, to shut down. So, um, you know, those teams um, stand out. The St. James girls actually are playing pretty well um, now that I think about it. Um, they they uh, they look pretty tough too. So, um, I think those are the teams right now that stand out the most to me uh, in terms of what I've seen um, and uh, and just kind of how they're playing right now. Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of get a good feel of what teams are good and what teams aren't so good with such a small sample size. Switching over to National Signing Day uh, on Wednesday. The big news coming out, Chase Simmons flipping from Coastal to Syracuse. Were you surprised at him flipping at all? Um, no, not really. Um, you know, he had really had his mind set on having an opportunity to play at a Power 5 um, school and a Power 5 conference. And I think once Syracuse pulled the trigger on him um, last week, and uh, and gave him that full ride. I think he it really gave him an opportunity to fulfill that situation uh, and and play at a Power Five university. So um, n- no, not really. Um, you know, I, I think that's really kind of what he wanted to do. Um, so I really wasn't all that surprised. Um, just from what I've heard and, and kind of talked to him about. Uh, in terms of what he wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, that that's one of the big problems that group of five schools have now is the fact that now and I don't know how much this would change with a full playoff system, but especially now the group of five schools really have that uphill battle to climb uh when it comes to recruits uh on that level. Uh for for North Memorial Beach as a whole, how big of an impact on the future of the program does not only their success on the field this year, making it to the state championship, but also in the in recruiting, you know, getting a few Division One Power Five uh, guys, you know, now, how big of an impact does that have on the future of the program for North Merrill? No, I think it's huge. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was there on Wednesday. And they said that it's the first time in program history that they've had three student athletes um, signed to go play at Power Five universities with Chase going to Syracuse, uh, Henry Duke, um, who is a preferred walk-on at Virginia, but he's got an opportunity to to get a scholarship as that preferred walk-on. And, of course, Billy Barlow uh, signed in November to play baseball at Clemson. Um, and he was honored on Wednesday because he wasn't able to have a um, a ceremony back in November due to due to football because he didn't want to take away from um, the football aspect and, mm. and be a distraction. So he decided to do his on Wednesday. So I mean that that speaks volumes about where that um, athletic program is in Little River, and um, I think it's just the the tip of the iceberg on uh, on where they could be, which you know honestly sets up. Um, the Myrtle North Myrtle uh, matchups um, for years to come that are just going to be epic. I think um, yeah. with North Myrtle Beach uh, rising to where they're to where they have uh, have been and, and where they're going, and of course Myrtle being Myrtle. Yeah. You you mentioned Henry Duke, who 
came down from North Carolina because of uh, COVID issues this season. And Will Murray also came down from North Carolina, but now is going back uh, to North Carolina next season. Do you think this is going to – and and they were a big part of, of the Chiefs' success this season. Obviously, it, it wasn't a normal season because of COVID and everything and North Carolina not playing in the fall. But could you see any of this continuing into the future of some guys deciding to come to some of the local programs out of state uh, in order to find success? No, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I, I think COVID was um, um, – a different animal in terms of allowing these um, guys to come and, and play down here. I, I think if we ever get back to whatever normal is and states start opening up and allow uh, athletics to resume um, at the state level, um, I'm not quite sure that's going to, that's going to play a factor. Now there will be kids from North Carolina uh, on the border. They come down, but you know, um, coming down just to play athletics, I don't think that's going to be the norm. I think that was just uh, just a, a one one year. Hopefully, we don't have that issue next fall. Um, but uh, you know, maybe it trickles into next year. But I don't think after that, I don't think it's going to be um, where kids just show up for one semester, play football, and then and then head back home to wherever you know state they came from. We this is now a, we've had a couple of years now. Obviously, this year was kind of was well was very different uh, because of the COVID issues and everything. Uh, but we've seen we've had a couple of years now of the new recruiting system with early signing day and then national signing day. What what has your thoughts been now that we've had a couple of years under our belt of of this new system? Do you like the way this system is? It seems like it seems like the uh, recruits and the big time programs sign their guys in the net, in the early signing day, and then um, more FCS and lower end uh, programs are signing later on in the uh, national signing day. Do you like this new format? Um, yeah, you know, I think if you're a student athlete and you're going to a Power 5 program and you sign in November, I think it benefits you with that opportunity to graduate early uh, and then enroll in January and go through spring practice. I think that's a benefit for those kids to be able to, to have that experience. Um, I know some of them actually went through um, bowl practice with some of their teams uh, that signed in November. So, yeah, I think it's it's good. I mean, obviously it's uh, – um, it makes more work for us, which is fine, you know. Uh, instead of it being one day, now it's now it's two days, but it's it's not really actually just two days because some of these kids wait and they sign throughout the spring. So um, I think signing day has become um, more than uh, a two day event. Uh, we yeah. have you know multiple multiple kids that sign throughout the throughout the year in all different times, and um, uh, you know it's. And it's not it's not for us anyway. It's for them. It's for the kids anyway, and it and, and it, it always has been. And um, it gives them an opportunity to to celebrate um, all the hard work and the dedication they put in to uh, to achieve that goal and get that opportunity to to go play at the collegiate level. So, you know, I I, en- I enjoy it just from that standpoint that you know we're we're highlighting the 
the young men and young ladies who have these opportunities to go do that because it's a it's a big day for those student athletes to get that opportunity and to go and and um, give them a little love. Um, it, it means a lot to to them, and we uh, I personally in, in, enjoy doing it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a lot of fun. And you mentioned uh, some of the guys from the early signing period being able to enroll early and uh, and go play in spring practice. Obviously, J.J. Jones, one of those going uh, to North Carolina early. Are there are there any new rules? Have you seen anything with the FCS spring season? Are some of these players that are signing now, are they able to enroll now and go play in the spring? I think if you sign now, um, at this point, most of the semester has already started, so they would have had to have already been enrolled in school to be allowed to go through spring practice. Um, So I think uh, a majority of those kids that sign had to do it in November to make sure they Mm -hmm. enrolled during class already, unless they signed and waited, um, you know, to, to, to go in. So. I'm not sure that those kids that signed yesterday. Um, I, I don't think those those kids will be uh, on campus until at least June. Mm-hmm. One final question before we let you go: Super Bowl Sunday on Sunday in a couple of days. Who you got? Got to go with the Chiefs, man. Got to go with the Chiefs. Hey, I was I was thinking about you the other day when that last week uh, weekend. I got. If I would have flipped them, I would have been all right because I said the Bills, I had the Bills and the Packers, so I guess I was. Uh, I knew I knew somebody was going to get upset. I just <laughs> thought it's. Uh, I just I just thought I was going to be the Chiefs, but um, you know, Chiefs are strong. Uh, Mahomes looks good. Uh, I mean, Brady's Brady, but I don't know, man. I don't I don't know if the the Bucks have enough in a tank to to dethrone the defending champs. I, I think they win it again. Yeah, I, I have it uh, 35-28. I'm going with the Chiefs as well. So uh, we're on the same page for the Super Bowl. Thanks, as always, for joining me, Brandon, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, y'all have a good one, man. I appreciate it. Yep, you too. That was Brandon Dunn from WPDE. Always fun talking with him. And uh, we've got a caller on the line. Hey, how's it going this morning? Hello. Is that Richie? I think it is, buddy. I had my I had my phone my I had my phone muted, man. I was trying to be <laughs> sure that you you had me, and I didn't jump in, and you could hear some background noise. But man, great show today! Great way to start the Friday and get ready for the weekend, man. Good stuff yeah. from Brandon up there at uh, up there on the Grand Strand with you, man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a busy week for all of us with uh, National Signing Day and obviously Super Bowl as well. So. Lots of fun things to talk about, and uh, the the sports year, except for maybe the summer, the sports year never really ends. Yeah, it really doesn't, man. I mean, you know, now that you've got two signing periods in high school, you know, that added a little bit of flavor, and then they decided they wanted to have this thing called a transfer portal, which you saw the Gamecocks. By the way, mm-hmm. you did an incredible job utilizing that transfer portal because you look at where they finished – Overall, you know, 70-something in multiple polls, that's kind of misleading 
because of the fact that they don't average in. And this is something that I think the NCAA or these polls, be it rivals or 24-7 sports, or anybody else that puts these numbers together, they need to figure out a, a, a system mathematically that they can add this in because this is a factor, right? Mm-hmm. This is a factor of recruiting. They go and recruit these kids that are in the portal to come to their college. For me, you know, being a former Gamecock athlete, being a, a current Gamecock fan and love the hire that we have, he really did a great job. Not to mention the guy went in and found a six eight wide receiver who, it to me, has college experience, right? I mean, it's like the job fear. When you go out and you go hire somebody that's done a, a job maybe at another company but has experience in, in what you want him or her to do at the level that you're expecting it to be done, comparatively to high school, right, it would be like mm-hmm. getting uh, somebody, well, realistically the same thing, getting them right out of high school and you're teaching yeah. them what it's like to be a college athlete because I can tell you, man, it is really honestly a, a complete turnaround from what you do in high school as an athlete to what that job is to you in college because of the expectations and the hours that you have to give, not to mention you still have your classwork to put together. But, man, it was a, a great day. Chase Simmons flipping around. I, I saw it coming before he announced yeah. it to go to Syracuse. I think he was the biggest surprise on the state, not only in Myrtle Beach, but in the state, with him oh, going yeah. to Syracuse and turning down the chance to stay home and play at Coastal. Yeah, I think I I have to agree with you. I think I kind of saw it coming because – you know, that, that level of competition. And, and that's one of the big things that, you know, it's not going to change until we get a real playoff system, but you know, the group of five, whenever there's that choice of between even a lower end power five school, like a Syracuse over a group of five, you're going to go with the power five just simply because you actually have that opportunity, no matter how slim it is to get to the college football playoff. Um, you know, but the, I think when, when it comes to what you mentioned with the transfer portal and everything, especially with the new rules and the new emphasis on the transfers and everything, I think that, I think that is going to change over the next couple of years of the ranking system being more in depth of adding those transfers in there as well. Right. Well, you know, I, I'm going to say this to you, Brandon, because here's the thing. Why Chase, of course, you know, uh, me being a young man that's from that same area that you're up there in Myrtle Beach growing up there uh, in, in Surfside, I like to see Coastal do extremely well. I love Jamie Chadwell. I've known him for a long time. He used to coach here at Charleston Southern. He was at North Greenville. You know, you see what he did. Now, while he lost on a on a big-time defensive end in Chase Simmons, do you, do you see who he picked up in the transfer portal? He went to Georgia Tech. Well, he went to the transfer portal. He put in a kid from Georgia Tech, Emmanuel Johnson, who's a former Fort Dorchester beast. I mean, uh-huh. they called him the man-child down here. The kid' mom is an all-American track star with multiple uh, gold medals from the Olympics. And, uh, again, it goes back to training Chase to prepare himself for college. Again, not that Chase isn't going to join there and just dominate. But while he lost on that end, he picked up a kid who's already been – in Georgia Tech's hands for a whole year, the training program, the entire breaking him through with all the, you know, getting used to the college life and not the high school life. So, to me, I get it hurts locally to not have Chase, but you did go in and find a kid like Emmanuel Johnson, and you guys need to look him up. This kid is, I mean, he looks like he's cut, uh, you know, uh, out of a special cloth. The kid has got an incredible 
um, massive amount of, of, of uh, what's that, I guess, um, front there. He's a big defensive end guy. And then he's also got the reach on him as well, where he can almost reach over an offensive lineman and grab a quarterback and one of those Mortal Kombats and bring him in. So uh, he did well. Even though he lost the one, he, I think he did pick up a guy that's got uh, the history, but also he's got some experience of playing college football in a Power 5 situation because he played last year. And and that's something that I think is going to help the group of fives with this new por- this transfer portal system is that those guys that were that did get the power five offer out of high school that decided to go the power five route and then they may not be getting the playing time that they want to at that level, they can then say, Okay, I'm gonna go down a level and see if I can get a better spot in a group of five. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, so, you know, but that, you know Brandon, that, to be honest, though, Georgia Tech had 17. You remember last year, Myrtle Beach, uh, you know, hit headlines with Coastal. They had about, what, 19 to 23 guys that hit the portal and, and mm-hmm. transferred out of Coastal. Which, yeah. hey, guess what? It worked out for Coastal because you saw what yeah. they were able to do there because they utilized the portal, too. But the same thing happened this year at Georgia Tech. I think 17. 17 guys jumped into that portal this past year. And uh, that, that usually means there's something in the water over there. And that's fine because it always, you know, there's always an answer to what happened. But, you know, for me, I'm kind of curious what's going on at Georgia Tech to have 17 mm-hmm. pretty big names that have jumped into that portal to go out and do something. So, you know, it, yes. it makes it tough for high school coaches because they're not only trying to sell their kids to a high school, to a college program, but they're now having to sell their program to, you know, somebody who's also got other guys in this transfer portal who, again, has the experience, has a lot of that, I've been here before, I know what to do, just plug me in and let me play. Yeah, yeah. that It's it's definitely going to make things a lot more interesting and, and even even beyond the transfer portal stuff, the the added year of eligibility and all of that, it's going to get very crowded uh, when it comes to recruiting from, you know, on so many different levels. So any, any athlete that's, you know, looking to get to division one, they may have to go, you know, the Juco route for a year, or they may have to go elsewhere to get that playing time. Well, you know, you bring up a good point and, and a nice way for me to kind of segue the biggest, uh, you know, on Southern Sports Central, on our show on Monday and Wednesday, you know, we started looking at who was going to be, and then we finalized the Wednesday night show with about, I think we had about 23 kids call in. We represented about 17 different colleges around the state, or not around the country, but, but 23 to 20, whatever the number was uh, of kids around our state that called in that signed that national letter of intent that, to me, the guys that we gave the game ball to or the trophy around the state of South Carolina was Newberry. I mean, these guys did an yeah. incredible job in the low country of getting a lot of our kids, but they did it across the state, man. I mean, you know, they really honestly opened up their doors, made some room, and, again, gave a lot of kids a lot of opportunity. And I think the other winners were a lot of these smaller colleges like Bluefield and things like that that we've never heard of come down here and out of West Virginia and other places and give these kids an opportunity to play football because, again, you can get drafted if you're playing football. You can if you're not. So, I think the smaller schools made out this way, and I like you think. I, I think that going forward, you're going to see the smaller schools outside the Power Five. You'll see, of course, the D twos and threes. Of course, uh, to me, the HBCUs uh, did a great job across the spectrum mm-hmm. as well. But I think these are the guys who are going to be benefiting 
a lot more on the high school kids that aren't the power, you know, that five-star studs. Because, mm-hmm. again, you can go watch play football or, or you can go play football. So, to me, a lot of these kids that signed their national letter of intent to go play at these colleges will be playing on Saturdays and not waiting their turn for a year or two. Yes. Oh, definitely, definitely. Another thing, another school that always seems to do well, um, especially up here, uh, that got a lot of good good commits was uh, Limestone. Mm, yeah, Limestone did really well. I mean, right. they did. They, uh, they they pour into it. Do Do you think? And I was talking about this a little earlier. Um, the fact that FCS is playing in the spring and thus will have more of a focus on it. Uh, do you think that's something that they may want to look into as a way of, you know, kind of showing, you know, not just the the country as a whole, but also a lot of these kids that, hey, you can come here, play for us, and be successful as well? Yeah, I think if they go back, Brandon, to look at the last four or five years in the draft and see how many kids in the FCS were actually drafted, they, they that right there kind of sells itself. But the thing that I like about it this year for the FCS, like you were talking to Brandon there, there are some schools that are going to be playing. Matter of fact, here in Charleston, we've got Charleston Southern and the Citadel that will be playing football, if it's not this week, and it's coming up soon. So yeah. here's the cool part. For the class of 22, instead of going on these recruiting trips and hoping to God they open up these campuses, allow these kids to do some of this, you know, instead of going there on a, a Friday night after playing a game on, on Friday, right, just mm-hmm. wore out, bruised and sore and not really focused at why they're on campus to not just look at the football facility, but to look at the academic part, because that's the major part of why you're there, to be honest with you. You know, mm-hmm. this gives these kids a chance to go to some of these places in the spring even if they don't go on an official visit, which I think actually on that level, I think they can, you know, you, you go in on a Friday, you're not worried about, of course, all the other things of pep rallies and football games. You're going in on Friday morning as a real honest to God, a true visit. You get to tour the campus. You're not sore, tired. You weren't in an ice bath all that night, the night before, whatever it may be. And to me, I think these FCS programs have a chance to really have a leg up on a lot of kids and sell that, Hey, come play, come commit today and play tomorrow type of attitude and not wait until the guy ahead of you or somebody else, because again, you're seeing that. But the other, again, caveat is, man, this, this, it makes it really hard for these kids and it's going to get harder because of this, uh, this transfer portal, because I've watched a kid up at Liberty, Jonathan Bennett, who was at Somerville and did an incredible job, started as a sophomore and uh, played a lot of the, I think even as a freshman went all the way through Hugh Free signed them up there because of the transfer portal. And that young man that came in from Auburn, right, they they, mm. they jump ahead of them because they've got that experience. And, again, if you're good enough to go to Auburn and be a backup, you're pretty much good to start at, at anybody outside the top five or power five. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, like you mentioned, that's going to be the problem where there is going to be this pyramid that is going to start to build of, you know, the players that are able to get the, you know, where can you get a starting position and some players who before had to be, had to settle with staying as a backup at a power five program now can go elsewhere and find that starting position and it pushed someone else further down the totem pole. So it's going to be tricky. It's going to be something that a lot of players are going to have to, uh, 
be aware of and, and figure out where their place really is. And I mean, you know, looking at it kind of on the upside, you know, we talk about players, you know, not just becoming players and, or becoming better players and all of that, but, you know, college using college as a way of learning about life, you know, that's a good way to learn, you know, where is your place really, you know, in those types of situations. Right. Uh, but before we let you go, uh, to Super Bowl, let's talk some Super Bowl. Who who you got this weekend? Man, you know, I, I've gone back and forth with a couple of different, of course, on our show, you know, I gave my prediction, I think, on Monday night, and we talked a little bit about it on Wednesday. Not much because we did a lot of the uh, the high school stuff. But for yeah. me, yeah, Tom Brady went in my backyard of my, of my Packers and beat, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and, and to me, you, you kind of get that respect right off the rip. Not that he wasn't good before he got, you know, but he definitely, to go into Lambeau and, and to do that, even though it wasn't a normal crowd, it still was a crowd. The atmosphere still was, was what, what they're used to up there. And to uh, shut down at the right time a, a guy like, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I know we'll talk a little bit about the offense here in a minute, but that defense gets my vote. You know, uh, they can do that against some of the better playmakers. Again, I thought, the Packers had a better team overall. They had more players. But, you know, when you wanted the way that, uh, that the Tampa and the Bucks wanted, you know, you kind of have to give them that respect. So I, I feel that as long as Fournette has his big running game going, that's going to open up a lot of things. Don't forget, one receiver, OAB, wasn't even around uh, for that game against the Packers. He's back this weekend, so he opens up that door. There's a few other receivers that Tom Brady will make um, – some extra money with here this weekend because he has that ability to create and make receivers on a weekly basis anytime he's on the field. And then he's got that big tight end that's starting to come alive a little bit, right? I mean, Gronk is starting to look like the old Gronk, even in, in some of the videos that you see these guys making on Instagram. It seems like that, that same vibe is there. Uh, but I think a lot of it, honestly, holds in the hands of the running back of, of Tampa. If, if uh, Leonard Fournette can have those big runs and continue to wear out that front line, which is going to, of course, open up that secondary to, to be set to some pretty deep passes that Tom Brady is known for, you know, that's going to be the story because there's so many wide receiver versus wide receiver on both sides. There's so much of the tight ends because, again, Kelsey Corals is a guy who, I don't know how, he's always open. And that quarterback at uh, Kansas City seems to uh, connect with him pretty well. But if I had to give a score, I think it's a high-scoring game. I think it's a 49-38. But I do oh, think wow. that, that history is made on uh, on Sunday night. And I think Tampa Bay wins the, the first ever as they host the Super Bowl. I think this yeah. is history in the making. And they take advantage of having it in their backyard. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about the Super Bowl. I'm, it, it's it's kind of disappointing and very ironic that the one, the first year that a team ever gets true home field advantage is the year that they can't pack the house uh, over there in Tampa. So, but yeah. I, so you're picking Tampa Bay to win it? Yeah, I got Tampa 40. I, I feel like they've got what they need. You know, does Ryan suck up play a major part? He's another guy. He's that, that kicker from mm-hmm. South Carolina played with the Gamecocks. He's been yep. in the league a long time. He's kind of been a clutch guy for them and a need that they've had uh, open for quite some time. I just don't think it falls on his hands. I think it falls on the hands uh, of, of course, Tom Brady, which is which is protocol. I mean, you know, the one yeah. thing that never does change is Tom Brady's ability to win big games, and I think this yep. is it. I mean, when they went in, Brandon, and, and were able to beat 
the New Orleans Saints after losing to them twice during the season. Yeah. That shows you that these guys, you know, look, they, their goal was to make the playoffs. It's a new season when you get here, and, and Tom Brady in the playoffs is not the same, you know, as no. he is during the regular season. It's like he uh, kicks it up about 12 notches. So, yeah, it's going to be – it should be a good game. You know, I think it's a high-scoring game. I just think when you got to go against the points, it's hard not to pick Tom Brady. He just needs to keep those interceptions down to under two. Yeah, I, it, I, I definitely agree with you. I think it is definitely is hard to bet against Tom Brady, that's for sure. But I just think that uh, I think Mahomes has it. I think he has enough around him to be able to win this game as long as he gets the protection that he needs. Uh, so right. I, 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 I'm, I'm picking the, the Chiefs to win, but I'm, I'm calling it right now. I think it's going to go into overtime because this it, game is – it, 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 yeah. it could. I, I just think a lot of points, Brandon. But you know what's yeah. the fun part oh, yeah. about it? You and I will – I'm going to have you on the show with us on Monday – uh, as we'll recap this all together, we get the whole family in and into the table to talk about it. But you know, it's almost like having the kids' table and the grown-up table at these two games because if you look at mm-hmm. most of the guys at Tampa, they're kind of on the back nine here, right? I mean, they, yeah. they they've been playing this for quite some time. Then you go to the other table where it's really, honestly, I mean, from the wide receivers to a lot of the secondary guys who, by the way, the Gamecocks and Tigers uh, here locally have uh, some ballers on here, and I think South Carolina State actually has a player too playing in the Super Bowl as well. So our state's represented out of the college league as well. But the younger version is at Kansas City. Like Mahomes, is he going to be the next Tom Brady? It looks like he's got all the chemistry and all the know-how to make that happen. As you see, he may win, what, two in a row? That, that's that's right there, legendary in itself. But on the other side, like I mentioned, Kelsey Corral is an upcoming tight end who's, you know, he's not young, but he's definitely not old. But he's definitely not grunt, right? Who's already retired one time and come back. So there's a lot of neat stories, even position by position, all the way from the offense to the defense and even to the kickers. So to me, I'm hoping two things. A, I hope it's a good game. And two, yeah. I hope after this year they look at putting this thing on a Saturday because, man, Monday's going to be a long day for a lot of us. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they would ever change it, you know. NFL, you know, it's Fall Sunday. It's it's always Sunday tradition for the NFL. So uh, I doubt they're ever going to change it. But it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm expecting a good game. I don't think it's going to be a lot like a lot of the other games that we've seen in years past, where one team dominates one half and the other team dominates the other. I think this game is going to be a back and forth, just grind it out. Both teams off both offenses just, you know, going all out throughout the entire game. So it's it's going to be a very entertaining game. That is that is for sure. No doubt about it. For sure, man. Well, enjoy the rest of the show. I don't yeah. I won't keep you, man. I just uh, I was listening this morning. I was uh handling a couple of business meetings. Some things were setting up, man. I just wanted to chime in and tell you good job. Keep doing it, buddy. Yep. As always, great talking with you, Richie, and uh, we'll I'll talk to you on Monday. We'll we'll have some fun on Monday. All right, buddy. Take care. Yep. Once again, Richie Allman. Always fun talking to him. Owner of Southern Sports Central. We'll we'll have a fun show on on Monday uh, talking about all of this. Uh, but I'll take a quick break. And then we'll come back. If you guys want to get your thoughts on anything, uh, be sure to call on in 323-784-9681. Once again, that number is 323-784-9681. Take a quick break and then come back, wrap up everything 
right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Hey, yo, you ready? Let's do it.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. As we have a little under 20 minutes left to go on the show, as always, if you want to join in, call on in, talk some sports with me, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. A few final uh, news and notes from around the state on the high school level uh, before we sign off. Uh, for the morning, go through the SCBCA, uh, the South Carolina Basketball Coaches Association polls for this week. 5A boys, Ridgeview, Dorman, Dutch Fork, Blythewood, Malden, Burns, Goose Creek, Riverside, Fort Dorchester, and Spartanburg. Your top 10, the 5A girls, and number one is Clover. Number two, Sumter. Number three, Ridgeview. Number four, Somerville. Number five, Rock Hill. Number six, Goose Creek. Woodmont at seven. Dorman at eight. JL Mann at nine. And Burns at ten. 4A Boys. AC Floor at number one. Aiken at two. Yermo at three. South Point four. Easily five. Hartsville at six, which I have yet to see Hartsville's boys in action this season, but I'm just... I don't know if they've had that big of an upgrade uh this season but we'll be we'll we'll have to wait and see uh how they do in the region tournament and then if they make it into the playoffs in the playoffs travelers rests at seven south Aiken at eight north merrill beach jumps up to nine and james island is at 10 4a girls west side at one greer at two north augusta three greenville four Westwood 5, South Point 6, Catalba Ridge at 7, Irmo 8, Bluffton 9, and May River at 10. 3A Boys, Bishop England at 1, Wren 2, Woodruff 3, Oceanside 4, Battery Creek 5, Orangeburg Wilkinson 6, Mid Carolina at 7, Dillon at 8, Chester at 9, Camden at 10. 3A Girls, Keenan at 1, Bishop England at 2, Southside at 3, Lower Richland at 4, Camden at 5, Blue Ridge at 6, Emerald 7, Clinton 8, Wren 9, and Chapman 10. The 2A Boys, Gray Collegiate at 1, York Prep 2, Christchurch 3, Landrum 4, Legion Collegiate at 5, Andrew Jackson 6, Greer Middle College at 7, St. Joseph's at 8, Wade Hampton 9, and Eau Claire at 10. 2A Girls, Christchurch at 1, Marion 2, Saluda 3, Woodland 4, Philip Simmons 5, Latta at 6, Mullen 7, Andrew Jackson 8, Blacksburg 9, and Chesney at 10. 1A, bo- 1A Boys, Scotts Branch at 1, Southside Christian 2, Bamberg Earhart 3, Carver's Bay 4, Military Magnet at 5, McCormick at 6, Calhoun County 7, Whale Branch at 8, Hunter Kennard Tyler at 9, and Hannah Pamplinko at 10. 1A Girls, Military Magnet at 1, High Point Academy 2, East Clarendon at 3, Whale Branch 4, Estill 5, Lakeview 6, Denmark Olar at 7, Cross at 8, Scotts Branch at 9, and Blackville, Blackville Hilda at 10. 
Moving on to the spring, we've got some baseball talk already, you know, a little over a month before the regular season starts for baseball, and we've got the preseason coaches poll out for baseball. 5A, it's Somerville at 1, Boiling Springs at 2, Lexington at 3, Blythewood at 4, River Bluff at 5, Dorman 6, Hillcrest 7, at 8 is St. James, number 9, Wando, and tied for 10th is Malden and J.L. Mann. 4A, AC Flora at 1, East Side 2, North Merle Beach 3. They've got a lot of great pieces coming back. Uh, a gr- very strong pitching rotation for them. So they're going to be a team to watch in 4A, that is for sure. Greenville at 4, Airport 5, Greenwood at 6, Hartsville 7, Lugoff Elgin at 8. Catalba Ridge 9, and tied for 10th is Merrill Beach and Easley. So Grand Strand well represented represented in 4A for baseball. In 3A, Bishop England, Belton Hanea Path at 2, Bishop England at 1, Chapman at 3, Brooklyn Casey at 4, Gilbert at 5, Oceanside Collegiate at 6, Wren at 7, Camden at 8, Blue Ridge at 9, and Daniel at 10. At 2A, it's Landrum at 1, Abbeville 2, Legion Collegiate 3, Andrew Jackson at 4, Great Collegiate at 5, Traw at 6, Andrews at 7, Chesterfield at 8, Barnwell at 9, and Crescent at 10. On 1A, it's Lakeview first, then Southside Christian at 2, Johnsonville at 3, Bamberg Earhart at 4, East Clarendon at 5, Green Sea Floyds at 6, Louisville at 7, McBee at 8, Lamar at 9, and Dixie at 10. And staying on the baseball diamond, the Collegiate Baseball Preseason High School All-Americans were announced, and two from South Carolina, Cole Messina from Somerville and TJ White for Dorman, were listed for that. So congrats to those guys and the field for the coastal invitational tournament has been set. It's going to be almost ex- pretty much exclusively uh Grand Strand teams. Anar, Shiraz, Lake City, Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle, Sockestee, St. James and Waccamaw is going to be the field. No announcement yet on uh on who will be facing off against who. No bracket yet. Uh, but that will definitely be a fun little uh, tournament to keep an eye on uh, going into the baseball season, which is quickly approaching. Uh, like I said, a little over a month before the regular season starts. <clears throat> and like I mentioned to Richie, the the season never really ends. It never really ends. Uh, you know, you you always have a new uh, a new season upcoming. You know, when when football was coming to a close, and you had you had the uh, state finals, you had basketball coming up quickly approaching. Now with basketball headed towards the home stretch, with region tournaments coming up in a couple of weeks, and then the state championships. You got baseball coming up quickly approaching. So as soon as one season ends, 
another one quickly opens. Uh, the only time that it's really a dead period, like I said, is during the summer. So, but we'll we'll keep things going during the summer, even during the summer. We'll figure out uh, we'll come up with some fun things to talk about. Some you know, and obviously during the summer we'll be primarily getting you guys ready for uh for the football season. Uh, but you know, definitely some fun things to talk about and uh the the sports the sports calendar never ends unless it does because of a pandemic. Uh obviously many of us would would prefer that not happen again, but and and I don't think that will ha- ever happen like that again. Uh but yeah, that may be something uh I may want to talk about that may be something uh in the middle of March when when we get to the year anniversary of of what's going on may do a little uh round table and 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 have uh have some thoughts on that and and what transpired and and all of that uh would be an interesting little show uh but that's that's coming up obviously Super Bowl coming up uh this weekend and like I mentioned we'll have or like Richie mentioned we'll we'll have some uh conversations about that. We'll we'll give you a bit of a recap on Monday uh that uh and yeah, you know fo- football season coming to an end. Basketball basketball is in full swing. Uh even even with some delays and and all of that uh but yeah so i hope you guys enjoyed the show uh had a lot of fun little talking points uh for you uh for you this week hope you guys enjoyed all, all my my comments on on the super bowl and all that talked some NCAA football video games Talked about National Signing Day, uh, you know, lot, lots of, lots of fun things going on uh, throughout the world of sports, and it, it's been, it's been fun giving you guys a great show uh, each week as we, we go further, further and further into uh the the sports year and like i mentioned you know even if you're purely a football fan things to look forward to just in a couple of weeks you've got some fcs football to look forward to you know like richie mentioned citadel playing charleston southern playing presbyterian playing uh wofford playing all of the FCS schools in the area, SC State playing, uh, all of the FCS schools in the area will be playing. Uh, will be playing some college football over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so that's that's some fun things to look forward to. Got uh, got region tournaments coming up. Um, and then 
obviously the SEHSL tournament in basketball coming up. That that will be fun. And then baseball season quickly approaching, pitchers and catchers quickly approaching the reporting. So lots and lots and lots of fun things to talk about. And I will be here to guide you all through the entirety of it. So, yeah, and, and like I mentioned, even even on a football level, as more and more schedules come out, we'll have some previews uh, with with talking about not just week one. This week primarily focused on some week one matchups to look out for, um, looking at some of the uh, you know good the some some of the more fun matchups that we'll be seeing uh, on week one. Uh, for the high school football season, uh, we've got you know after after the uh, regular season we'll have the NFL draft. So lots of fun things to talk about over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, so hope you guys enjoyed the show this morning. Once again, Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Hope you guys enjoy the big game. Should be a fun one. Hopefully. I'm certainly hoping it will be a fun one. That'll just about wrap it up for me this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And until next week, I'm Brandon Bisping saying so long. And we'll talk to you guys next week. So long, everyone.